Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever would hear my voice and open the door, I will come with him and in him and eat. I with him and he with me. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, we pray that you would help us by your Spirit to hear the words that you have for us this morning in your word preached to your people. We ask, Father, that you would teach us more how to desire that one thing that is necessary, that good portion that is your Son, Jesus Christ. It is in his name that we pray these things. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's good to be back. It's good to be back in the pulpit here at Christ the King. Again, I wanted to say that um, Jennifer and I had a wonderful time on vacation a few weeks ago. We've got a week now under our belt back at church, and I'm grateful to be here preaching again to you all, my people, that God has given me. So it's great to be back. It was also good this last week to have 70-ish kids here in this uh, church If you see the green shirts that adults and some of the kiddos are wearing, and there's going to be a lot more of, there's going to be a green tidal wave coming in uh, at communion here when the kiddos come in, you'll see they're wearing their VBS t-shirts. It was a blessing to have them here to learn the Word of God and to have older students and teachers mentoring them, loving them, showing them the face of Christ. For this last week is one that they will not soon forget. We pray that it would take deep root in our children, so praise the Lord for that. Also, something I want to share with you all before I begin my sermon officially this morning is this. Jennifer and I were blessed with a great surprise when we were back home in Oklahoma visiting family. It was about two days um, before that Sunday over July 4th weekend, so it was like that Thursday or Friday, and we were told that there was going to be a surprise for, for us and for the family at uh, my wife's parents' church, small kind of rural country Baptist church there in Stroud, Oklahoma. And the surprise was that um, Jennifer's father, uh, John Owens, uh, 77 years old, was going to be baptized. And praise God, he was baptized, 77 years old, wanting to follow the Lord, anew and afresh, and he was baptized, and it was a a wonderful joy and a privilege to see God's work in his hand. So I want to say this before I get going this morning. If you're above 50 years old and you feel like your time to follow the Lord has gone by and you can't be redeemed, that is a lie from the pit of hell. You can be redeemed. And so take comfort in the fact that our Lord uh, loves all of us through all of the years of our lives. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, we come in the gospel reading to our second um, really well-known story in two weeks. Last Sunday's reading from the gospel was the parable of the Good Samaritan. That's one that most people know. Even non-Christians who live maybe in a Christian, uh, quote-unquote Christian context, they know that story. Many of them also know this one, Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary. Now, um, some of you all, I'm, heard of, uh, I'm sure, have heard many, many sermons, maybe dozens, maybe even hundreds of sermons on Martha and Mary. They usually fall into two camps. The first is this. 
are you a Martha? Are you concerned about being a Martha? Are you serving a little too much? Because if you are, for three easy payments of 1995, we can get the Marthaness out of you, and we can get you over into Mary. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Joe. Amen. So there's, there's that kind of angle. You know, Martha, Martha, bad, Mary, good, and let's kind of move on. Then there's the other sermon, right, that says, hang on, let's give Martha her due. Martha is good, and our Lord doesn't actually come out and just, you know, um, speak out against Martha completely. So we're going to try to make sure that we don't, um, we don't take Martha um, out of the equation completely. Well, here's the deal. I don't have anything new to say to you other than the fact that the point of the story of our Lord going into the house of Martha and Mary is finally this. It's to teach you and me that there is one thing that is necessary. Yes, we're going to see as we look in this passage, as I'm going to ask you guys to enter into what it means to to be Martha, what it means to be Mary. But the point of all of this is there is one thing that is necessary the good portion, and that is to receive our Lord Jesus Christ, the forgiveness that he offers, the grace that he offers, but to listen to him and then to serve, to receive him and then to live. So let us begin. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Jesus and his disciples and the holy apostles are on their way. They're on the move. He has set his face towards Jerusalem. Now, right, right now, Jesus was leaving um, uh, what was uh, north uh, Israel at, the, at this point, Galilee, which is up in the north. And though he's traveling south, he's actually going up topographically. So Jesus is moving up towards Jerusalem. And he enters this village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. What do we see here with Martha? She is instantly ready to welcome the Messiah, her rabbi, the Lord, into her home, to prepare her home and the food and all the things that needed to be prepared. She is ready and willing to do that. But my brothers and sisters, what does she do? She invites him in. He is there standing, waiting. She says, come into my home. Let me serve you. Let me be hospitable to you, my Lord, my Savior. It's reminiscent of our Old Testament passage in Genesis 18. You know, the church puts these two passages together. Because what does Abraham do when he sees this, this theophany, this uh, Trinitarian appearance of our Lord in these three angels or messengers? Abraham knows that it's the Lord, and he says, look, I'm welcoming you. I'm going to, we're going to wash your feet. We're going to get the servants to to take the calf and to cook. We're going to feed you. My wife Sarah is going to go into the tent and prepare this wonderful meal for you. He sees the Lord and he knows that it's him and he invites him in. Martha is in that vein. She sees, she invites our Lord to her table, to her home. And she, Martha, had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. My brothers and sisters, we see that in this verse, there's quite a bit going on. Mary, of course, the sister of Martha and of Lazarus, of Lazarus, was seated at the Lord's feet in the posture of a disciple, ready to receive his words, ready to receive him and his teachings. 
Now, some commentators make a, a humongous thing about this, and I don't want to blow it out of proportion, but it is important to see that she was taking uh, the seat of, um, of a disciple, one, one seat that was really reserved only for men at this point. She is allowed, it's not apostolic, but it's a disciple to come and to follow and to receive our Lord. And what does she do? She's doing it. She's seated at his feet, receiving his word. Martha is preparing the meal to feed our Lord in his physical body. Mary, as St. Augustine says, is seated at his feet, ready to feast on the bread of life in her midst. Amen? She is seated ready to be fed by him because feeding our Lord is important. Entreating our Lord is important and for him to come to us and for us to be hospitable to him. We must do that as Martha did as she opened the door, as she was serving. But... Mary chose the better portion, chose the one thing that we as Christians must begin with, that is feasting on the bread of life in front of us, speaking to us, and from there our service moves on. So Mary is seated there. But you should notice that at this point our Lord has not really said anything a negative, and actually will not say anything negative about the fact that Martha was preparing a feast. Nothing is said negative towards her in that respect. So let's read a little further. Our text says in verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Martha was distracted from much serving. What does it mean to be distracted? My brothers and sisters, when we are distracted, it means, and I know this may be a tautology in many ways and a very obvious fact, but I have to point it out. When we are distracted, that means that there is something we are to be focused on or some things that we're to be focused on that we're not. We're over here or we're over here. We are distracted. And Martha herself was distracted with what? With the serving. She had allowed the serving of our Lord, the preparing of the meal, to be the thing that actually distracted her from sitting at his feet, from listening, from receiving the word of God. She's distracted with much serving, distracted from our Lord. But it goes even deeper than that we're going to see because there's a reason for this distraction. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him, to Jesus, and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? What is going on here? Well, we have to read into the text a bit. The Bible didn't tell us exactly, but I think we could hypothesize for a moment Martha is busy serving. She's busy working, being in the kitchen, and Mary is sitting at the feet of our Lord, and this causes Martha distress. But the thing is this. Martha seems to be distressed because she is serving with no help. Has anyone ever um, been serving and had to, had to complain? I've done this many times. You're serving and you're complaining because we forget too easily that the service in this particular situation is rendered to the Messiah. Service rendered to him. Service if we had to do it alone with no help, we would gladly give up our very lives to serve him. But Martha is upset. My sister, 
She needs to help serve me. Tell her, Lord. This kind of, um, uh, this, uh, this complaining of service from the self, not from sacrifice, as it were. Martha complaining to our Lord. And I would, would um, venture to posit this, my dear brothers and sisters, that when we see the service of our Lord or the service of another human being on account of our Lord, if we begin to, um, to see that as something that, that is a burden, as something that we shouldn't have to do alone, that others need to be helping us, and it's, the Lord made it that way, and I'm upset about them, we turn it in on ourselves, and then we end up too often telling the Lord he ought to do X, Y, or Z. Well, Lord, you need to, you need to make this happen. You need to make so-and-so just wake up, smell the roses, and get in here and help me. We end up turning it on the Lord rather than receiving. I stand here a guilty man before you. As a priest, as a pastor, it's so often easy, right, to say, well, I'm serving and here I am, the martyr for the church. I'm serving and serving and I need help and where's other people? And And we end up making it about ourselves and not the fact that we are called, if alone, to serve God, to pray for help, but not to demand he will meet uh, the need. Martha here demanding our Lord. Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Again, I mean, can you, you can just hear this. I mean, think about your name and the Lord mentioning your name twice. Ken, Ken, Jennifer, Jennifer, Amy, Amy. The Lord saying your name. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. He doesn't, I almost said take the Bible. Well, he had the Torah. I guess he could have taken a scroll or something and, and done one of these. He doesn't, he doesn't take law and just say, you are off base. You've broken this commandment, this commandment, this commandment. Now return to the, to the Lord. No, he says, Martha, Martha, let me diagnose what's going on in your soul. You, Martha, you, Martha, are anxious and troubled. I'd venture to say, my brothers and sisters, that we are too often anxious and troubled. (laughs) Too often anxious and troubled. We live in a society that has given us so much technology, so much, I can almost stop there because I'm not a fan of technology. I do like my refrigerator. But um, our culture, this, this reality that we live in has allowed us to distract ourselves from the one thing that is important sitting at the feet of our Lord and serving Him in singleness of mind as He has commanded us to do those things together. And we have become so anxious that we cannot sit still and listen to God speak to us. And I know this because I am a sinner speaking to you, knowing that even in sermon preparation, I'm, I'm reading, I'm thinking, Lord, okay, I need, I need a word from you so I can preach to the people, but I'm too often not found just alone listening to God. Lord, what do you want to say to me to fill me up then to serve in your kingdom? We are often too anxious and troubled. Our Lord says what in the Sermon on the Mount? that we should not be anxious for what is anxiety or being troubled? What's it going to do for you? Is being anxious going to add another day to your life? No, it's not. Now, is, is this saying that, 
we should not, um, that we should not, you know, look around at our life and in our service to the Lord say, well, Lord, we really want this to happen, right? We want this outcome. We know that it would be good for you, and we really desire that, and you're praying for it, and you're a bit, you know, in your spirit, a, a bit maybe troubled. It, it's okay to want the good, but when that, when that anxiety and being troubled overtakes us, we end up, of course, acting out, but also end up kind of accusing our Lord when He is not the one that has left us. We too often have deserted Him for things uh, that, um, that fill us, quote-unquote, that distract us from this life. Martha, Martha, you are anxious, our Lord says, and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Who is the good portion? Our Lord himself is the good portion. Now, it's obvious to us that our Lord is not um, physically standing here in our midst. He doesn't physically visit you in your home as he did to the family of Lazarus and Martha and Mary. But our Lord does visit you. He visits you when you quiet your soul enough to listen to him, to read his word that he has given us that gives us life and truth, and to receive that. Brothers and sisters, um, we often, I think, we think too monastic about, and Father Daniel, he's a monk guy, so he's not in here, so don't tell him I said this. Um, we often think too monastic that the only way that we're to hear from our Lord is only in silence and solitude by ourselves. That is one of the most important ways we hear from him, okay? And that may be the most important way for us in today's culture because we are so busy. But brothers and sisters, we also hear the Lord speaking to us in the community of faith, we hear him speaking to us in the community of faith. When Christians gather together to read the word, to pray to one another, to encourage one another, we can be sitting at the feet of our Lord, even in the midst of a crowd of Christians devoted, devoting their lives to hearing from our Lord. But brothers and sisters, there is one thing that is necessary, and it is to listen to our Lord. For Mary has chosen the good portion Martha's portion was not bad. Martha's portion was not bad. Some of you are more prone uh, to serve rather than to sit at the feet. Some of you would rather be a monk on Mount Athos in Greece and never have to, <laughs> quote-unquote, you know, be outside of service other than just prayer and solitude, solitude and silence. That's fine. We have to have both. We have to have both if we're going to listen, to hear, and to serve but what does our Lord mean by this portion will not be taken away from her? Let me close with this. The reason our Lord says that is this. Our service to our Lord in this life is, though, an investment in the kingdom, something that is temporary. Think about those um, men and women that are advanced in age, that are um, gray, um, gray on top and are very wise and aren't able maybe to serve in the same way and capacity that they were when they were 20. They're not able to serve as much 
as they did, quote-unquote, on the outside when they were younger. Our service can be taken away. Matter of fact, in the eternal life to come, we will not be, um, quote-unquote, doing good works to please our Lord. Matter of fact, we will be contemplating God and in His presence, setting with Him the beatific vision for all of eternity. So we must first start there and here and now in our lives, and then our service will pour forth from it. So in a culture that is anxious, in a culture that is distracted, my question for you this morning is, are you sitting at the feet of our Lord and allowing Him to speak to you through His Word, through prayer, both individually and collectively with your group of family or friends? And then, are you serving from that? For brothers and sisters, your cup is full in our Lord. and We are called to invite Him into our lives, into our homes, to sit at His feet, and finally, to serve Him. For let me remind you that our Lord says that he is standing at the door and he is knocking. Not just for the first time, but as Christians, he constantly is coming to us and he's knocking at our door. Will you and will I open our door? Will we hear his voice and open that door to him so that he may come and eat with us and we with him? And finally, we are able, brothers and sisters, to begin this hospitality, this invitation for our Lord to come to us and for us then finally to feast on Him at the table of Holy Communion. And this is the summit and the pinnacle of the Christian life to receive this sacrament and then to go out after receiving our Lord and serving Him joyfully. So brothers and sisters, this morning, would you come to the table to receive our Lord, to be fed on Him, so that you may turn out from those back doors and serve the world, sitting at his feet like Mary and serving our Lord like our sister Martha. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.